Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Rooted Deep, a podcast featuring Reba Bowman and Allison Hale. It's Reba, and we are so glad to have you back on Rooted Deep today. And uh, man, we just have somebody awesome with us today on the show, and uh, we know you're going to love her, Liz Curtis Higgs. So many of you guys know her. So, Allie, what a cool thing, right? Yeah, this this happened a few years ago, actually. My husband and I were traveling across um, on deputation, and I got sick, and I got stuck in the in the hotel room for a couple of days, and he brought me a book, and it was uh, Bad Girls of the Bible. And so I just read that, and then I went out and got another book, Really Bad Girls of the Bible, because I was starting to really identify. And uh, after that, Liz Curtis Higgs became my go-to author. And then just a few years later, I was sitting on a bus uh, in the middle of Thailand on a missions trip, and it turns out she was the guest speaker on that on that missions trip. And she came down and sat with me, and I was... I, I was fangirling, I was stuttering, but then we just, the Lord just knit our hearts together. I think we just got, we bonded over over spring rolls and coffee and um, just had a great time on that missions trip. And so it's, and she has since, you know, just written so many books that have been such a blessing um, in just so many areas, not just um, not just her her Bible studies, but also just her the historical fiction that she really enjoyed writing, and those were some of my favorite uh, favorite books. So Liz, it is wonderful to have you today, and it's great to see you again. Oh, it's so fun to see you, Allie. I remember exactly sitting with you on that bus in Thailand, like it was yesterday. And being with you in the DR like it was mm-hmm. yesterday. And so um, time does fly, but friendships stay rooted. Isn't Absolutely. That- yeah, it's wonderful. And just to think, and I think um, when you did come down to the Dominican, and everybody knows that Reba got a very grudging invitation to the Dominican. That's a famous, that's a famous Reba and Allie story. Allie didn't want to invite her, but, uh, you know, because I'm like, I've already had Liz Curtis Higgs down to the Dominican, you know, who's who's Reba? (laughs) (laughs) Who's Reba at this point? Um, but Liz joined us in the Dominican. She was, um, sitting down in our first, the first safe house that we opened and then joined us for a wonderful women's conference down here years and years ago. And uh, I'm just really thankful to have her back. So we wanted to talk to you today about just share a little bit about your testimony and how you and where you are um, from your first book on. Just just start us off, Liz. We're so excited to have you. Oh, wow. Well, I just celebrated my, excuse me, 39th birthday in the Lord. February 21st of 1982 was uh, a really happy day for me when I came to embrace the grace of Christ. They threw me in the baptistry uh, to wash away my skins, as a little girl said. (laughs) I love that. But, um, you know, it was a journey. It's always a journey for everybody to the cross. Everybody takes their own steps. Mine was probably pretty typical for those of us who grew up in the wild and woolly 70s. Um, You know, not a great decade. We were staying alive, staying alive. You know, it was was not a happening time. That's right. See you dancing there, Reba. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Right. Well, um, God is faithful. Um, I was running away from him or thought I was as fast as I could. What I didn't understand is he had his foot firmly planted on the hem of my raggedy jeans. I didn't get anywhere. I thought I had my back toward him. But what we have to understand about God is how close he is to us. We can't outrun him. 
we can't get away from him. His love is too big and too great and too wide. And so finally, I came to the end of myself after a wild and woolly decade of, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And uh, God kindly, when I was ready, was waiting for me to look up from the bottom of my pit. And uh, I had given up on myself and everybody I knew had given up on me, but God had not. And so he carried me out of that pit. Oh my goodness, he sure did. We can't climb out ourselves. I thought, you know, I was too far gone, mm-hmm. uh, but God did not see me that way. He knew I was his and he drew me unto himself. And so life got real different after that because the party girl suddenly found a different party <laughs> <laughs> and made a different party. You know, yeah. that's the thing is God did not ask me to not be me. So I was a girl who loved to have fun. I can still have fun as a member of the body of Christ. Uh, it's going to be a little different, that fun. Um, it's going to be clean fun, if you can imagine it. Uh, instead of dirty fun, it's clean yeah, yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. But it's still fun. Oh, absolutely. And uh, and I can take my audiences with me. So it was, that was 82. I didn't write my first book for a decade. Um, thank goodness, because, wow, I had a lot to learn uh, about being in the body of Christ, I had to learn um, a new way of looking at things. Uh, But when it was time, I began to write. First book came out in 1993 called One Size Fits All and Other Fables. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, I'm a big, beautiful woman in the narrow, nervous world. Uh, I'll always lay claim to that whatever size I am. uh, I am not gonna be that size too, never was and never will be. So I I had a word of encouragement, I think, for my sisters who thought they had to be a two to please the Lord. Um, Did he make you a two? Were you a two? Are you a two? Um, That's fine. But for lots of us, we're not. There's we're in double digits, baby. We're 12s and 16s. You're embracing it. And so it was a matter of saying, can the Lord use me even in a less than perfect by the world standards uh, body? And uh, yes, he sure can. Um, what he wants is our whole hearts Mm -hmm. and with our whole hearts comes our whole bodies we got to lay it all in the altar Um, I have been through an unusual journey um, more recently but the first place I had to come was a place of peace about God being able to use me um, even at a less than uh, see my finger quotes here less Mm -hmm. than perfect size it's certainly less than perfect background um you know, he wants all of it. We just have to be honest about it. I think the the big message for me personally, and then the one I felt called to share was we don't live in shame. Shame is a work of the enemy. Shame is what he masters in. He covers us with shame, but God doesn't. When God washed away our sins, he also washed away our guilt and shame. But we keep pulling it back over ourselves like a comfortable blanket. Um, it feels right to say, I'm so ashamed. That feels right. Isn't that odd? Because mm-hmm. um, you can't move forward in shame. That blanket covers any attempt to be honest with each other, to be grace-giving to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and God is saying that shame comes from the enemy. Um, you need to lay it aside and walk in newness of life, right. which does also mean that we we actually need to uh, as the, Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery, 
uh, we usually quote it as go and sin no more. Mm -hmm. And that I would never lay that on somebody because that's that's intense. We all know ourselves too well. It's like I've already sinned and I've only been up for a couple of hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, but what he what the NIV says and much closer to the Greek is go and leave your life of sin. Okay. So you know, identifying a sinful lifestyle, uh, uh, what we used to call, the King James would call a besetting sin. Besetting sin, yeah. You know, one that's really mm -hmm. sunk in. Um, mm -hmm. You have to walk away from that. And God is able, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to help us do that. It's incredible what he is able to do in us. And I know he does because he did. Yeah. I remember coming home from that day, I was baptized at church and uh, our deal was, you know, hold them down till they bubble, just get wet all <laughs> over. It is not the water that saves or the amount of water that saves dear friends. So don't go there. Let's not go in judgment about how much water or when that's not it. But, um, but he did wash us clean. He does wash us clean. And so um, I remember having a visit that afternoon from a guy. I could say I was dating him, but I think that would be glorifying what we really had going on. <laughs> Just mostly about sleeping together. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he came over that Sunday afternoon for more of the same. And what he found was this woman <laughs> who was so on fire for God. And I said, oh, babe, I got to tell you what I've learned. <laughs> and somehow, you guys, somehow... I laid out the whole of the Bible for him from, you know, like basically Adam and Eve to Revelation. I would love to have a tape of that. I don't know what I said. <laughs> I was such a brand, brand, brand new believer, just basically getting started on the Bible. Wow. But I guarantee you it wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit who laid it all out for him. And 15, 20 minutes later, he kind of sat back and said, so what you're saying to me is that we will not be having sex this afternoon. I said, yeah, that's <laughs> yep. basically what I'm saying to you that's in a nutshell, because I found something better. Mm -hmm. um, and I couldn't have imagined anything better at that point in my life. Young woman, 27. <sighs> but yeah. Jesus was better. You know, you said so many things that are just so connected to, I think, so many struggles that women have from our concern and our securities wrapped up in what we look like or what size is in the back of our tags and our clothing or, um, or the feeling that we need to, um, be a person who is very sexual or, you know, that, that somehow sex is the answer. Our looks are the answer. Our size is the answer. And boy, I just, I hope that, you know, we're all listening right now. Uh, and to be reminded of these truths that really Jesus is the answer and none of these things actually satisfy if you could get them all at the same moment you would still find yourself hollow if you didn't find yourself with Jesus yeah, yeah. and I did have them all at the same time well that's not true I think they came at various times <laughs> <laughs> during that decade <laughs> yeah yeah somewhere in that decade I I checked all the boxes of what mm -hmm. the world said was going to make me happy mm -hmm. whether it was men being interested in me or being successful in my radio career or whatever it was and it never satisfied. I still came home to an empty apartment and an empty heart mm. and couldn't figure out. I thought I was doing everything right and none of it was filling me up. Mm. So God is good and faithful. He let me come to the end of myself mm -hmm. before he revealed himself to me. And so I was so ready. 
mm-hmm. and it comes to all of us at a different stage and time and place. Mm-hmm. He comes. He does come. That's a, such a special, a, a special thing that you just shared, especially about um, understanding that the shame is is Satan's, you know, tool against us. And and the women that that we serve here in the Dominican, the women that Reba has seen, and we've all seen all over the world. One of the things that they keep saying to us is, "As soon as I get my life in order, I'll go to God." And it, we keep saying over and over again and pouring this truth back into them. That's not how it works. Take all of your just basket of everything, you know, whatever, however long it was, whether it was a decade or whether it was a minute, what, just take it all to him. And he's the one who, who cleans it. And, and it takes so long for somebody to understand the difference because it's that half truth, half life from Satan that says, God loves you, but he wants you to be clean and, and shiny before you come to him. He'll accept you once you... And that just keeps them in bondage longer. Absolutely. It's his favorite tool. Mm-hmm. You have to get it together and then give it to God. And yeah. there's no hope there. Right. Oh my goodness, you'll never get it together, girl. It isn't going to happen. I always say with even in the Christian life, you get one board nailed down and another one flies up. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's not what it's about. When the word says, be perfect as I am perfect, mm. Okay, that's one. That verse has always set me back because a couple of reasons. First of all, I know I'm not perfect and I would love to be perfect. I am a perfectionist of the worst order. And so that kind of verse can can make you step away from God. Be perfect as I am perfect. Well, no hope there. Yeah. Uh, that's not what he means. He The word means complete. Yeah means complete. So we are only made complete in him. So we take our incomplete and our imperfect and we lay it at the cross and say, I give up Lord. And then he says, good. You're finally, you're finally right. You're right where I want you. Yeah. You're not perfect. Yeah. I lay it down. I'm going to stop trying to be perfect because I'm never going to get there. And he says, correct. Good. (laughs) Now lean into me and I'm going to make you clean. I'm going to wash you white as snow. I am going to make you like a bride, beautiful and clean. It's all going to be his work. It has to be, in fact, because he wants the glory for it. And you know what? He deserves it. He deserves it. Yeah, Absolutely. so it isn't us standing up saying, woohoo, I got it together with Jesus. Nope, that's never the goal. Nope. Jesus got and it. You know, we, have, we have women on the other side of that sometimes. I know that I talk to as we travel and I ask them, hey, do you do you know who Jesus is? And a lot of women will be like, yeah, he's that guy on that mm-hmm. cross. And do you know why he's on that cross? And a lot of women that we deal with shake their heads. No, I'm mm-hmm. not really sure why he's on that cross. And when you share with a woman, he was on that cross for you. Yeah. I think one of the things that we see so much is women have a hard time accepting that somebody loves them like that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, being able to step out in that faith and believe that there's somebody they could actually put their faith in, their trust in, their hope in. Uh, And so I hope the testimony of a life here, uh, someone who back in the 70s gave it to Jesus and now is we're sitting here in 2021 and Liz is still crying out the answer still Jesus he still loves you he's the one that takes your shame away Uh, what a what a great what a great wonderful thought well it's definitely only him uh, because Liz has no more got her act together than she ever did (laughs) it's just the truth Um, when I see uh, something good come of my ministry, I just stand back because I yeah. know who and what that was. Mm-hmm. Totally the Holy Spirit, totally the Lord. Um, and, you know, he's just so faithful. And But he does want the glory for it. So yeah. 
yeah, we have to keep crawling off the platform and um, letting him shine, uh, which he does so beautifully. That's, I really think, I'm really thankful that you shared that just so intimately, because sometimes when you hear, you know, either a speaker or somebody who's, who's been in it, maybe 30, okay, like you said, 39 years in the, in, in, in the Lord and a lot of years in the ministry. And we, and they kind of feel like they have to be at this pedestal level or this, this top level saying, okay, yeah, I sin, but it's been a long time and I don't even remember sinning. And, you know, and, 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 and so women, other women like me and, and all of my buddies are like, oh man, like you said, I just did some, I just did something this morning, you know, and understanding that that continual, their continual relationship of, uh, uh, with Christ is that what transforms us and makes us complete you know, but it's daily. It's that daily rooted, rooted deepness. If I can create a new phrase and I'm not changing the name of our podcast or anything, but, um, the rooted deepness that, that is that, that we have in Christ. But I wanted to, I wanted to switch gears a little bit and just talk to you about your ministry with speaking. I mean, you've, you've done this for so long and I've actually, I'm sitting here in a podcast. You and I have sat on the bus and airplanes together, but I've actually never been to a Liz Curtis Higgs speaking ministry except the one that I actually translated and uh and and that was that was a fun moment um oh my goodness (laughs) you have no idea how many times I've shared the story of sharing the platform with you I said she's kind of like a little mini me she's very enthusiastic and you know very fun and so I would do my thing and then she'd do her thing and it was just oh it was awesome I've never had and I've been translated many times my friend never had as joyous an experience as I did with you. Oh, I, I appreciate that. Um, Reba has a bit of a different experience with me because I think she know, knew that I would mimic everything that she did. And so I think she created new movements to see how fast it was a flapping versus a soaring uh, sermon that she has. And she was soaring and she was, and I was moving my hands as fast as I could while I was trying to speak Spanish and hold a microphone at the same time. But I think she kept adding, adding things just to kind of trip me up to see if I would follow along. And I kept following along. I didn't even tell you that the women loved it. They were, they got it. So, (laughs) but so I've never been to a speaking, but your speaking ministry has been, I've, you know, I've heard wonderful things, but how has it been? And what has been some highlights of your ministry as you've been out speaking with women, you know, just across the country and across the world, actually. Yeah, I mean, 1,800 conferences, 50 states, and 15 foreign countries. Wow. That's a lot of speaking. It's a lot, a lot of-, of women. <laughs> it's a lot of talking, a lot of women. Well, okay, but I'm just going to say it again. My time with you in the Dominican is one of those highlights. It really that. was because of all the things God taught me mm. about myself that I didn't like. Okay, because speaking there was not a typical speaking experience for me. You know, we were in a a church that used to be a a brewery and and the floor was filthy. And, um, you know, it was it was an interesting experience. It was a big aha for me and knocked me off my pedestal in a way that I really, really needed. So thank you for that. Highlights are it's just always sharing the word and sensing God at work. That's the highlight for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the words that come out of my mouth. It's the it's the expressions on the women's faces as the truth takes root. Um, and that is, I have nothing to do with that. My entire responsibility is to get there, stand up, show up, that's it, yeah. and be prepared, you know, and then be empty. Basically, I have to pour Liz out so that God can do his thing. But watching faces 
is just an extraordinary thing because it's way, way past us. Mm. And so that has made this last year of mm. not being able to do that kind of interesting, but God is still at work. Mm. It's a flatter two-dimensional experience, just like we're having on this podcast. Um, but I have watched the Holy Spirit break through this flat screen and transform people anyway. Mm. So uh, it's exciting and thrilling to watch God at work. This pandemic and all that it has done has not slowed him down one beat. Right. We've had to scramble and figure out what to do. God has not. Um, this was all part of his big plan. It makes us be far more dependent on him, yeah. um, far more um, out of our comfort zone. Um, the hardest part for me, I am a hugger. I love yeah. to hug people. I love to pray with women with my arms around them or holding their hands, you know, really getting into each other's physical space to to step into God's amazing space and what he's shown me as, oh, you think you think I'm limited by that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I have desperately missed my flesh mm -hmm. is crying out to be with my sisters in person. But in the meantime, mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit is as busy as ever, maybe right. busier, because it there are women who wouldn't have stepped into our physical space who are right. listening on podcasts and watching mm -hmm. online. Uh, women who wouldn't wouldn't go to a church, wouldn't go to a Christian conference, and here they are. And bless you, sisters. This is right where you need to be. I'm so excited about that. I am. Um, I was on Facebook a few, you know, at the beginning of, I guess, at the beginning of the pandemic, and um, you know, I got a little notification. Liz Hurtis Higgs is live, and I was like, okay, let me click. And and you actually started reading your book, Embrace Grace, just one chapter a week. And she was reading it, um, listeners, she was reading it with such that with the same joy that she has right now, um, it wasn't just kind of droning on and on. I mean, she was and adding tiny little comments every now and then or, or little uh, smiling faces. And I was just really watching the comments. I mean, I think I, I said hi, but I was just watching the comments of, of people who were um, they would have never been, never been connected. And, um, and I think it was just amazing. And so every week she was reading a chapter from, um, from one of her books, I mean, uh, Embrace Grace, which, um, which I, I love, but I just love that idea of just reconnecting with people that you have, you know, that you wouldn't have never have possibly have never, you know, in, even connected with. So I think it was an amazing opportunity. I'm still doing it Monday mornings, Rise and Shine Mondays, 8 a.m., and I'll be doing it through the end of 2022. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, there's 100 chapters, and um, same deal where I'm, yes, reading, but not really, mm -hmm. and, um, and adding teaching and, and ask, adding a question for people to respond to. Mm -hmm. um, I do think women tend to be maybe even more honest with themselves and with God um, on Facebook or whatever uh, format, whatever platform you're using, um, they feel safe mm -hmm. because they're not eye to eye with you, which gets it's harder sometimes to be truthful with someone when you're skin to skin or eye to eye. But the distance of the screen, mm -hmm. I just think they say things sometimes that they are shocked that they themselves could say, and I'm so proud of them. I read every comment mm -hmm. and what comment back is required or or seems right, I will respond back. So after I finish my seven minutes or whatever, then I spend two hours. <laughs> 
yeah. going back, but it, it is what ministry is. So yeah. this is what ministry is. And we'll, is what it looks like. it's whatever is required. Um, God is so creative. He's our creator. He's always coming up with new ways. I can't wait to see what's next. Of course, I serve in a whole nother capacity now as the director of the women's ministry team at my church here in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, oh my goodness. Whose idea was that? Well, that would be God's idea. Yeah. <laughs> and um, learning a whole new side of ministry, church ministry. Yeah. It's very different. I've not yeah. been in church ministry before and local ministry. So that is um, thrilling, um, yeah. but it's, it's stretching me in whole new ways. And baby, I'm I'm old enough to retire. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, you're picking up this new ministry, and what a year to pick up a new ministry as far as within churches. You know, not just the pandemic, but with different, you know, divisional oh. conflict, political, you know, and 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 what a year. But how? What are some of the, you know, just the highlights of, okay, I'm stepping into probably the hardest year of the century, you know, and to the women. Right. Well, and the thing is, I, I taught a Bible study at the church in 2019, and it was so clear that God was calling me to, mm. they didn't have a position. I just went and said, could, could I do a, a part-time? Okay. Heads up, everybody. There is no such thing as part-time <laughs> ministry. Can I just say that to women who already know that? Right. So We're all like, yeah, of course. When did you not know that? <laughs> I don't know, but I just had this crazy idea that you could do it 20 hours a week. <laughs> so, um, so that's been a big wake up, uh, but it's also been wonderful because yeah. unlike speaking where I go and I pour out to a group of women and then leave, yeah. These are my sisters. I teach a Sunday school class every Sunday on Zoom. For, and it was, it was designed for women who come to church alone, uh, which is amusing because now nobody's going to church. Right. But I have this heart for women who, um, you know, don't have a partner for whatever reason. They're single, never married, divorced, widowed, husband's a non-believer. There's a lot of women in the church mm -hmm. like that. So I wanted a class just for them. But I, all of this ball rolled last January before the pandemic. So I thought I knew what I would be bringing to the table, speaking and organizing events. <laughs> and then, then the pandemic hit and the two things I knew how to do, speaking and organizing events, went right out the window. Yeah, first thing to go. And so um, it was like, oh my goodness, Lord, this was terrible timing. And he said, wait, my timing is always perfect. So I need you to figure out why it's perfect. Um, and it is, it is because um, we can minister to women wherever they are. They are not stuck in their homes. From your home is where we're ministering. And so suddenly women are coming to their screens um, in their pajamas, mm -hmm. um, not worrying about makeup and not worrying about um, any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. We're one on one with one another. We are no longer you know, I'm incomplete if I'm alone. Everybody's alone. We're all alone. And we're not alone. We're together. Mm -hmm. So I have seen God do some really incredible things with women just coming alive in the word. Because my whole deal is to teach. I'm a teacher. That's all I'm doing now. I still have some fun, but it basically... I'm going to open the Bible. And that's the only, the only book I make them bring to the screen with them. Bring your Bible, bring your open heart. Let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. And what's happening is God is busy as he always is. 
and lives are being changed because he's always about changing lives. So it's been good. So Liz, now you, you've written so many books. Um, (laughs) and, uh, did you, I mean, did you always, I think like 30, almost 40 books, uh, you've written and, and, and I don't mean you've just like written, like, you know, jump change over here. I mean, you had a New York Times bestseller, Christie Award winners. I mean, you've written these incredible from fiction to just really practical speaking into the lives of women uh, on different aspects. Did you always want to be a writer? Mm-hmm. Sure did. When I was a little girl, um, that's all I wanted to do. I dreamt of being a writer um, and I wrote books. I've got a whole box of them back here. They're um in my, in my, between ages of like 10 to 17, um, I would buy those marble notebooks. Remember those, the, the composition books. And I would have to decide before I bought the next book, um, how long it was going to be. Was it going to be 160 or 240? Because that's how they came. (laughs) It's so funny because that's still how books are. They come in signatures. Uh, and unless they're an ebook where the length doesn't matter, but if they're a printed book, they're going to be 160 add 32, 192, add 32, 228. That's how books are done, 260. It's crazy. So um, so I, I would write these books with my number two pencil. They were mysteries, like um, Nancy Drew kind of mysteries. Mm-hmm. And they were terrible. They were absolutely <laughs> terrible. If you want me to grab one and read you a page, you'll see. But I think the next Facebook Live, just start reading chapters from that. That's see right. if anybody notices. <laughs> So bad, so bad. Um, I remember one scene where I wanted to have people jumping down into a cave or a tunnel or something, one after another, but the word I used was simultaneously. So so the word, the picture you'd have is of six people all jumping in at the same time. I'm not even sure what word I was reaching for. Sequentially, no idea. But anyway, typical. But I was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to write. And I think when a 10-year-old sits in a chair with a number two pencil on it and writes for hours, this is probably what they're called to do. So many years go by, I come to know the Lord's grace and circle back to writing. Mm. And so, um, so yeah, 37 books. Um, I have contracts for 40. So I love that you said almost 40. Maybe they will get written. (laughs) There we go. Someday doubt it, but um, yeah. So it, it's, a, it's just another way. It's a way we reach people um, one-on-one. Uh, even if a million people read the book, they read it one by one. Yeah. And um, I met Allie over a book. That delights my heart. Mm-hmm. That delights my heart to know that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, I know also, Liz, that, you know, so you're, you've been a writer, you've been a speaker, uh, and so many people have done probably your most famous, I guess everybody has a most famous thing that they're known for everywhere. And of course you are known for bad girls of the Bible series. I mean, uh, that became kind of, uh, you probably, you may love it or you may hate it at this point. We don't know. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, it's just funny. It just shows me the sense of humor that God has that books I had with more, um, how can I say this? Uh, religiously correct titles. Um, <laughs> none have outsold Bad Girls of the Bible. And I think it's because it was it was not by far my first book. It was about my 12th book, okay. but it was the one that got people's attention and that God used the most deeply, perhaps. And it's because I wrote from the heart. I think up until then, 
I was sort of trying to pass as a good girl, sort of. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd have my testimony woven in, but I basically was trying to pass as a good girl. With Bad Girls of the Bible, I just laid it all out there. Mm -hmm. I just said, okay, girls, here is the story about Liz. Mm -hmm. In little bits, There's, it's not a testimony book, but um, I identified with all 10 of the Bad Girls of the Bible. At some level, all mm -hmm. 10 of them. Then I wrote really bad girls and realized, for heaven's sakes, I identify with all eight of these, too. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, I think part of my my goal, though it would be God's goal, it's his idea, um, was for us to not be sitting there in judgment of the bad girls, those women over there, mm -hmm. um, but rather to say, where do I connect with them? And how did Jesus treat them, particularly the New Testament women? And in the Old Testament, what did God do with the Rahab? Um, what did God do with these supposedly bad girls? And what does he do for us? What hope is there for us? I remember a woman leaning across a book table at a bookstore when really bad girls of the Bible came out. And she leaned across. She had two little toddlers with her, leaned across and grabbed my hands and said, is there any hope for a prostitute? Wow. And it was such a joy to look in her eyes and say, absolutely, yeah. absolutely hope for all of us, whatever your background. With my wild and woolly background, I always say to people, I would have been a prostitute if I'd ever had the nerve to charge. Yeah. I just gave it away. Mm -hmm. So I always kind of respected the woman who actually <laughs> charged for it, at least, um, but yes, it was, it was such an honor to say to her, yes, 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 yeah. there is hope. There is yeah. always hope. You can never go too far or do too much. Um, I think it was in one of those two books in the last chapter, I said, you cannot out sin the grace of God. Yeah. Um, and I believe that with my whole heart, you just can't go too far. You can't do too much. There just can't be so much back there that now it's too late. It is. If you're living and breathing, it's not too late. I love that. That yeah, those um I I really do believe that as a church girl, missionary kid, pastor's kid, having that book at the beginning of my ministry and being able to read that book and seeing honesty at the beginning of our ministry, I was able to go out and, and, and understand because I had never been there. I didn't have that type of past, but yet at the same time I could take that take that book and say, no, here's this, that book really helped bridge, you know, into ministry and understanding, you know, understanding God's grace. Um, I mean, I did as a, as a child, I, I, I experienced the grace of God, obviously, but at the same time, just understanding that somebody, um, had, had a story that they thought would, would separate them from, from, from the love of God and, and being able to have the confidence to say no. And, you know, and going back to the Bible and, and sharing why, but those type of, that type of book really just gave me the confidence to, to build that bridge. So I'm glad that I'm glad that Reba brought up that book. I wanted to talk about your break from writing in 2017. You, um, I remember you, you sent out a video and I emailed you privately because every once in a while I'll email you just, you know, I'm like, I hope we're still friends, but here we go. And I'll, I'll email, I'll email Liz and I'm like, Hey, your hair looked great today. What's, what's going on? I love that your hair. And so you wrote back and said, that's the announcement. And so I wanted to tell what, you know, you changed your hair, but that's not what had changed. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, for some women, when cancer comes their way, um, their treatment doesn't take away their hair. In my case, um, it did, and it has never come back. And that don't 
girls, do not be panicky about that. It's just how it worked for me. Yeah. I was losing my hair anyway. So, you know, it was just the rest fell out. But oop. Um, and bald is beautiful, by the way. I love bald better than what I'm dealing with now, which is kind of this medium fuzzy, I'll sp- I won't whip my wig off and and, uh, and scare you. But <laughs> I've actually found the wig thing is fantastic. Yeah. I, it always looks good. I just shove it in my suitcase, take it out, shake it out, put yeah. it on. Yay, party's over. And our African-American sisters are out there saying, we've been telling you this for years, oh. wigs are the way to go. Exactly, exactly <laughs> so. Um, but anyway, I uh, I was diagnosed with endometrial cancer. Um, and it's so funny because I can remember in my younger years, reading about um, women who had ovarian cancer, like Gilda Radner or various famous women who died from it. And I thought, wow, if I ever get cancer, I hope it isn't that girly kind. Well, it was. And um, they uh, did all the things they do, you know, complete hysterectomy. And and we did chemo, we did radiation. They came back and said, uh, none of that worked. You have a, another tumor now and mm. it's not looking good. And so I had, I had the chance and it was a gift from God to consider what life might be like after this one. Mm. And I am so grateful that I got to stand on the edge like that because it reordered everything about how I think, feel, and do life. Um, because first of all, I got so excited about the potential of heaven, the nearness of heaven, mm-hmm. that I was really willing to let go of this world, like right now. Let's go, Lord. I'm so excited. <laughs> you know, my family wasn't as excited about that prospect. Um, but it, I think, made them also say, is this life all there is? No, it certainly is not. And the next one is so much better. I think in this last year, we've seen how hard life can be. And we realize this world is not the end all be all. In fact, it's just the end. We'll be glad to leave it behind. We'll be glad to step into his presence. So I got to work through that, that what if I die? Oh boy, uh, it'll be great. And then I also got to answer the question, if he keeps me here, there must be a reason for that too. Hmm. Um, And I'll tell you, it's hard. I've lost many friends to cancer since I began my own journey. And you do have to ask that question, why me, Lord? This just doesn't seem fair. This other woman had so many talents. Why, Lord? Why has she gone on to heaven and why am I still here? And it's a good question. We all have to ask, why are we here? Why are we still here? Why have we lost so many we love and we're still here? What does God want us to do with that life? that one life that we get here on this planet. Um, And so um, it was an interesting journey. I spent more than two years getting immunotherapy. So every three weeks, go down to the cancer center and and go through all that. It's not really fun, um, but it was necessary. Um, And then finally we came to that place where the doctor said, Liz, um, we've done tests after each round of immuno and we just find what they call NED, no evidence of disease. Wow. And so I said, so I can stop. And he said, I, yes, you can. That was March 6th of 2020. And March wow. 15th is when the pandemic came down. So <laughs> I am so grateful that I did yeah. not have to continue treatment mm-hmm. through the pandemic. Many people have. Yeah, And I know it must have been so hard with all the additional protocols. Um, and yet, um, God did kindly spare me from death now. 
but he has gotten me excited about it. So that means, you know, when you live without fear, what's the worst that could happen? I die? Oh, okay. Here I come, Lord. You know, I'm teaching these days on Tabitha or Dorcas, however you call her in the Bible. She'll be in my new book I'm writing. And I often thought about this is a woman who was brought back from death to life. And nobody asked her, would you like to come back? Yeah. You know, my choice. I, I really would like to have done an exit interview with Tabitha and say, so how about it, babe? Is this better? You're back. You're sewing again. <laughs> I often heard that about Lazarus. What did he say when he walked out? Yeah. Like, what, the, what, the <laughs> what the heck? I was in the presence and now I'm here yeah. back on earth. Right. And uh, yeah, so we have to assume that she needed to come back. And there was a purpose. I, I, if I leave, I, please don't anybody try and raise me from the dead. <laughs> let, just let me there. I'm going to be happy. There's a, that reminds me of um, my husband shared this quote in a sermon a few, uh, a few months ago um, by Samuel Rutherford that says, oh, my Lord Jesus Christ, if I could be in heaven without thee, it would be hell. And if I could be in hell and have thee still, it would be heaven for me, for thou art all the heaven I want. And I love that Samuel Rutherford from back in the 1800s. And I love how strong that is. He's a preacher. Samuel Rutherford, I've been to his church in Really? It's it's just a shell now, Mm. but stood in his church. 1600s. He goes way back. Okay, way back. Yeah. And uh, just, oh, he was such a preacher of the Mm. word. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. But so, I just love that quote. Yeah, I had never, and just because sometimes we think, oh, heaven, but we don't realize that his heaven or his presence is is our is our heaven. So no matter where we are, here or there. Um, that's it. So we can experience a little heaven right here. Bit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like being with you guys today. What a well, we always love to end this, and it has been so much fun to oh, be with you amazing. today. So first of all, thank you, thank you for joining us on the podcast and for sharing your heart with uh, with those that are listening. We always love to end this with some fun rapid-fire questions, all right? Uh, so these are, um, you know, no pressure on these. You can, uh, you know, you can answer like you like, but these are just some fun things that uh, sometimes people love to get to know you a little bit better in this way. So, uh, so here we go. You ready, Liz? As ready as I'll ever be, I'm afraid. Okay, here we go. All right. So tell me what book has impacted you? Oh, well, that's it. Go ahead and do a plug. Shameless plug. It's one of your own books. Just say No, it. no, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> no. Um, nonfiction would be Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. I read it before I embraced the grace of Christ. And when I finished it, I thought, if a man this brilliant sees Christ as the answer, then who might argue with him? So that was life-changing for me. And in fiction, um, it would be, uh, oh my goodness, it just ran right out of my The nip will make the trip. I'll remember in a second. Um, But yeah. Yeah, well, when you're not writing and speaking and talking, and if you have free time, what do you enjoy doing? Okay, so I have been dutifully spending 40 minutes every day on my elliptical. Aren't you proud of me? First time in my adult life. But part of what keeps me on there and going is what I get to watch on Netflix. (laughs) It's the great British baking show. Now, let me just tell you, to watch people making 
goodies to eat when you're trying to not eat those goodies and work off the calories is tough. Um, but I just love it because it's clean and fun. And it amuses me that up in the rankings, it will say language. <laughs> you know, that there's bad language. And, um, you know, I think the only bad language I've ever heard is like, oh, shoot. You know, that's right. probably but um, it's just clean, fun. And so that is kind of my delight is to watch people make and eat really fattening food that I'm not having mm -hmm. these days while I'm working out. It's like double. Um, version. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the question that we always love to ask because I think it's good. It, I just, it's a good, uh, we always love the answers to this one, but tell us something that people often get wrong about you. <sighs> wow. Well, um, my testimony includes the fact that Howard Stern and I worked together um, years and years and years ago. And um, people often think I worked for Howard. That is not the truth. We worked at the same station in Detroit. He did mornings, I did afternoons. And uh, he came down and found me at my desk one day doing, I'm pretty sure it would have been a line of Coke. I'm thinking it was, cause I couldn't have smoked a joint in the building. So it was probably a line of Coke. Odd, you could do that in the building, but not yeah, just odd. <laughs> and, uh, and he came down and found me at my desk between both our shifts and said, Oh, Liz, you have got to clean up your act. And really, for Howard Stern to suggest I needed to clean up my act should tell you where my act was at that point in time. He was right, by the way. I did yeah. need met Jesus within a couple of years after that. But mm -hmm. so that's one of those dumb things where people thought he hired me to work for him, and that was not it. We just worked at the same station. <laughs> All right. Well, we know that you're trying to you're trying to take care of your health now, and you're on the elliptical. But do you still have a favorite meal? Something you really like to eat? If you could just blow it out there. Of course. <laughs> and it actually is one I make myself. I just mm -hmm. don't make it anymore. And that's my lasagna is um, to die for. I use twice the amount of ricotta cheese you're supposed to use. I mean, it is so chock a block. It's like this tall, and it's awesome. So I still make it. I just feed my family and have the joy of watching them eat it. That's good. <laughs> Love it. Give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you joy. I have got, and this is partly because of the pandemic and being home, home, home all the time. I have gotten into house plants and gardening. So here's my Fetonia. She is my favorite. Don't tell the other plants. Isn't she gorgeous? That, she, that is a beautiful plant. I wish, looks like something I could kill in about three days. Don't, I, I've come close with this girl. But anyway, <laughs> so plants have given me so much joy. Isn't that weird? Um, and it's not a surprise. My mother was a gardener and um, I used to do house plants as a young girl. So it's just, it's fun to me to bring one home. They are saying with the younger generation that pets are their new kids and plants are their new pets. Um, and so I don't have any grandchildren. And so I have lots and lots of plants. That's awesome. Are you, do you still have cats? Are you, do you have a couple yeah, of cats running cats. around the house? I, I yeah. hear them outside the door. Oh, uh, no. Boaz and Samson, my two twin tabby boys. Um, yes, I'm still, I have the pets. I just don't have the grandkids. <laughs> what is one thing that you are deeply grateful for? Oh my goodness. Well, of course, I have to say I'm deeply grateful for my bill. We will celebrate um, 35 years of wedded mm -hmm. bliss. They said it could never happen. Um, and so that's this spring. That's one of the excitements to me is I have a man who has been with me through all of these journeys and stood by my side and always been on Team Liz. 
I could not ask for a better husband. And I, I, I am a high maintenance wife. I don't even pretend otherwise. And he's willing to do the maintenance. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Well, we always like to end with this question, but what keeps you deeply rooted, Liz? Oh, only the word, only the word in his spirit. I love the word. It never gets old to me. I never grow weary of teaching even the same material. Monday night, I taught on the woman with the issue of blood. I've taught on her for 20 years, many times every year. So I add that up, however many times that is. And I've written about her. And still, in the teaching of her story, God revealed something I had never seen before. And I burst into tears. And I'm sure the other women on the Zoom call, the other 131 women, all thought poor Liz can't just hold it together no I can't because I still get excited about the fact that the Bible is the living word it's alive and comes alive in us as we study it so it's always going to be the Bible that keeps me rooted and grounded and the one who wrote it Amen. That is exactly the way we would want to end today is to make sure everybody understood that every time they open the word of God, that it has some, that the, the Bible and, and, and the spirit has something for you that day, even in a story that you've read hundreds of times or, or a thousand times, or you've just heard it, go back and look at it again, because like, like Liz said, and like the Bible says, it is living and it's quick and powerful and, and, and it all, It'll cut you in the right way and, um, and it'll give you life um, in, in such a beautiful way. So Liz, thank you so much for sharing that and, and bringing that down to that moment so that people can really see, you know, it doesn't matter who I am or where I come from. My roots need to stay um, firm in the word of God. So Liz, it's been a wonderful honor to have you with us today. And, uh, and hopefully we can have you again um, to tell a few more funny stories for us. But um, in the meantime, everybody, uh, just goodbye and have a wonderful day and stay rooted deep. Thank you for listening to Rooted Deep. To learn more about Dare for More Ministries, go to dareformore.org and look up Mercy Workshop at mercyjewelry.org.